Welcome back to the Wheel Take Stanley podcast. This is episode 12, uh, and this will be part two of the NHL free agent free agent frenzy. Um, we went through Anaheim through Montreal last uh, week uh, and just talked about their offseason and how well they've done. Today we're going to start off with Nashville. And Nashville, like I said, you know, they haven't done much yet. I mean, they didn't really have any big names on the free agency, uh, but we'll get into that. Because first, I want to mention uh, Florida. So Florida obviously signed um, Joe Thornton out of nowhere. <laughs> I didn't expect him to go to Florida, um, but you know, with with his age and the the uh, stage he at is stage he's at in his career, uh, I'm sure he wants to, um, you know, when it cuts. Oh yeah, yeah. So I, I think I think once Toronto, you know, obviously didn't win, uh, and he was a free agent, it was unlikely that he would re-sign with them. Uh, I don't think it's a huge loss for Toronto, um, but obviously, like I said, he wants to to go into a um, a team that's a Stanley Cup contender. And then Sam Reinhart was signed to a pretty pretty big contract, six and a half million dollars, which I I think can be a steal if he is uh, if he produces at a level higher than what he was at with Buffalo. Because um, if, if you look at our numbers real quick with him in Buffalo, his last couple of seasons have been actually pretty stellar. Uh, in 2018-19 with Buffalo, 82 games, 22 goals, 43 assists, 65 points. That's huge on a Buffalo team. Um, in 2019-2020, 69 games, 22 goals, 28 assists for 50. And then this past season, 54 games, 25 goals, 15 assists, 40 points. Uh, you know, if he can produce at that level or higher, and I would assume he would produce higher with uh, Florida, um, you know, he, that could be a pretty good contract for them. Um, but I, I will say that, you know, Florida's got to be a team to prove it to us. You know, I, I, in the past, I've said that that team can go on a deep playoff run, and I even thought this year they could have. So, uh, you know, Part of it is just you got to prove it to me. Um, they didn't beat Tampa Bay in the first round this past season. You know, we'll see what happens this season. Um, anything else to add there, Ann? Um, Yeah, I mean, I think uh, we didn't record back then, but for the longest time, I think the way that you are describing your feelings about Florida is really how I felt about Nashville for a very long time. And in 2000, was it 17, I think, was the year that they made it. I mean, I thought that was going to be the year that I finally, you know, had a decent playoff bracket because I picked Nashville to go all the way. I, I had done that a few years. I also did it once with the with the Blues, but the Blues have come around and proven that and won one. So I think, you know, Nashville and, and Florida seem pretty comparable um, the way that you feel about Florida and the way that I used to feel about Nashville. And uh, you know what? Because I don't feel like that about Nashville anymore, I also do feel like that about Florida. Um, I didn't really think I didn't really think that they were going to do too much this year, um, especially with Tampa Bay in the first round. Uh, I think they took two games in that series, didn't they? Which is which is probably. Uh. Yeah, uh, Florida, I believe, lost in six to Tampa Bay. 
so you know they did you know they didn't get blank they didn't get one uh you know they only didn't get one win on the board so uh they're still up there they're still a contender i think that this season hopefully they learned from this first playoff or from this uh series the round one this year holy cow and um hopefully you know losing to tampa in that first round there and watching them go on to win the cup um sort of musters something inside of everybody and especially with the addition of joe thornton and sam reinhardt um maybe those two components will send them over uh the edge you know maybe jumbo joe is going to be there to keep everybody's heads on straight when they go down uh two games three games in the series um he's been there time in and time out and he's going to get those guys calm and so maybe they can take you know maybe they'll be able to steal those last two games they need to close that series out uh with tampa bay and then and then it's a completely different team so i really like the additions there on florida and i'm glad that uh you know you allowed us to touch on that before we went back in with the regular the continuation of last week's episode yeah um you know, and I just want to clarify, I don't, I'm not down on Florida uh, with their offseason. I, I think they've had one of the best offseasons uh, in the league of any amongst any team. Um, it's just, you know, I, I think we need to start seeing results with them is all I'm saying. And I, no. I think that this year is definitely the year that they can they can show results. Yeah, I didn't mean to make it sound like you were down on them. I just, I had felt, I feel, I had felt the same way that you feel about Nashville for a long time. And I think Nashville's window has passed. So yeah. I'm hoping I'm hoping Florida's window doesn't do that. And right. maybe with addition, I especially you know what? The more we talk about it, the more I like that that signing of Joe Thornton. That was a yeah. huge like leadership yeah, I mean, calming of the storm type presence. Right. And you know, I'm trying to think they don't really have a guy that's like Jumbo Joe who's been in the league for decades now, it feels like. Uh, and, and they yeah. probably could have used that against Tampa, you know, a guy who could just cool down the players and and get their heads on straight. Because uh, I, yeah. I didn't think Florida had a bad series against Tampa. They went six games with them. That's the second second furthest team, if that makes sense, uh, that went with Tampa. It's the team uh, that took them the second longest in the series. Yeah, that one. Yeah. Did. Right, because the Islanders took it to seven, right? Yeah, they did. Uh, yeah, they did, yeah. Anyway, a good segue into it is what you said about Nashville um, going to the playoffs just in 2017 because it's a team we're going to start off with today in the free agency. And like I said, they're, they're, they haven't done too, too much um, in the offseason. Uh, they, they went out and got uh, David Riddick for backup position, I would assume, to UC Soros. However, UC Soros hasn't been re-signed yet. Um, they re-signed Dante Fabro, who I think is might in the future become a top uh, D-man for them. Uh, he seemed to be a pretty high high prospect for them, uh, and I looked at his stats, and they weren't they didn't really stick out. But again, it was just two years, uh, so you know we're looking to see more from Dante Fabro. But other than that, again, they did they did re-sign Mikael Granlund. I actually liked that signing. I thought Mikael Granlund was uh, you know, did really well with uh, Nashville uh, coming from Minnesota. I, I liked him. He sort of helped their power play, but that's certainly an area they need to fix is that power play. Um, so, you know, may, maybe they, they can go out and get a guy who who's 
good on the power player, somebody who can help improve the uh, special teams. Uh, let me quickly look at how much cap space they have. So they have $17 million in cap space, 17.6. So they got a lot of money uh, to sign. Well, they still have to sign Soros, don't forget. I, I would like to assume that they get him locked down. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. I don't think he's going to be a big splash. I wouldn't expect him to get, you know, I guess yeah, he's I getting five million money. But yeah. I mean, it is it is going to take a chunk of that change away. That's all. Yeah, yeah. Well, that is that's actually a good point because I, I thought he's been a pretty good goaltender. I, I kind of wish we saw him. I mean, I don't know where where you're going to stand on this, but I kind of wish that he was the starter over Rene. Uh, it, it may be a little bit controversial, but I just didn't think Rene really has had you know great stats. And I know I'm aware that that Rene has retired, so obviously he's not coming back next season. But I think the past couple of seasons, uh, I think it was time for Soros to start seeing more uh, start I, times. I completely agree, dude. I um, I mean, just speaking from experience, we had them in round one, and um, going into going into that was a worry for me because Soros they played him more toward the end of. Um, toward the end of that, the regular season, we had a couple games with them um, to close the season out, and then we started, you know, the set the best of seven with them. And man, Soros looked like he, like he really was on his game, and I was getting worried. I was like the only. I think I had said it maybe even on the podcast, if not on the podcast, I was telling you know just my friends in general that I was having conversations with about the playoffs is that my only worry with Nashville was going to be UC Soros because, um, you know, the rest of the team, they couldn't keep up with the Hurricanes offense. Um, and the defense sort of struggled to keep up with our offense, but they did what they could. And when, um, you know, Soros was on his game, I mean, he was making it that much harder for us to score. And when it's, hard for a team to score it's hard for a team to win I, I don't have to say that that's common sense but you don't always think of it and so when Soros is standing on his head um he's just he's he's giving that ch- that team a much better chance to win um so yeah I really thought it was time to move on from Rene it was I mean you kind of he was getting to the end you could expect a retirement soon and even if he didn't retire, when are you going to move on and start, you know, looking for a new goal, uh, a new face and goal? You got to do that at some point. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, with, with Soros, it's it's really going to be interesting to see the contract he gets, given the sort of limited minutes he had been getting. Uh, I still think he's a stellar goaltender. So even if he were to come out with like a five or six million dollar contract, I'd say that's that's still you know, a reasonable contract. I don't think that's an overpayment because of the um, of the games he did play, you know, however short it was, it he, he he's a fantastic goaltender. It's almost like a carbon copy of uh, Pecorino, just, you know, younger. Um, so I, I really like UC Saros. I hope he gets more starts. And, you know, given the fact that they've signed David Riddick, I'd imagine he would start getting more starts and be the, Bonafide starter for that team, um, but again, they, they'd have to re-sign him. Um, but 
you know, that, that, that's that's Nashville. I was taking a look at the uh, the NHL free agents, and you know, Zach Parise is still available. Travis Zajac, um, James Neal, and Tyler Bozak, just to name a few. Um, you know, maybe they could try and sign a Parise, you know, somebody to help on a power play. I know Parise is old, and you know, he, he's not necessarily going to be a you know, power play enthusiast, but. It's a big name out there, and Travis Ajak as well. Again, they're both 36, but yeah, I think they need to start getting some power, some special team players, especially to help that power play. Yeah, and I don't know, I, I'm, I don't know off the top of my head, but if Parise is like a, you know, a really good centerman, really good face-off guy, I mean, that's how we use Jordan Stahl on our power plays. He just he comes in, he takes the face off because he has like a, like a 60 or 70% um, face off rate, maybe 60. I think it's closer to 60. Um, but he just wins the face off and he gets off and then Ajo gets on. So you could even use him that way. You can establish immediate um, ownership of the puck if you pick him up and he's that good in the face off. Uh, I'm yeah. just throwing that as an idea. I don't actually know his face off stat. I don't know either, and his position is left wing, so I, I don't even think he'd take this in a role. Okay, all right, gotcha. Um, but I, I feel like that's it with Nashville. Again, I think their priority right now is just to re-sign UC Saros and see who else they can get in the free agent market. I'm kind of surprised that uh, Zach Parise is still a restricted, or not restricted, but still a free agent, as well as Travis Ajak and Kyle Palmieri. Um, at, at Kyle Fulmeri is actually a guy I think that they should look at in signing now that I just looked at him. Yeah. But, I was know. really hoping that Seattle was going to make a, a look at Palmieri. Yep. His previous cap, it was $4 million. I think it's like 4.2 more. 4.25, yeah. It's his previous cap hit, but... You know, it's still not bad player. I would I would have gone out and tried to get him if I was Seattle. Um, but moving on, we'll go to the New Jersey Devils, who I don't know if you've heard this, Ann, but, you know, I've seen a couple of people put out a list of their uh, teams they thought had, a, had the best offseason, and New Jersey's on that list. Uh, and I think that that's uh, overrated given the yeah. fact that they signed Hamilton. Yeah. <laughs> I uh I don't know what what are what are some of the other transactions that make people feel that way. Uh, getting Bernier to back up uh, Blackwood, a Bernier Blackwood uh, combination of maybe one A one B. Okay, people like that, especially with the the season that Bernier had with uh, a Detroit team that was you know god awful. He had pretty good stats. Um, they signed Tatar to a deal uh, just for. I would assume. Tatar is a pretty good pickup. Yeah, no, I, I like that pickup. Absolutely like that pickup. The cap hit, I think, was like $4.5 million. Um, let me just quickly check that. I thought it was a little high, but you know, the Devils had a lot of cap space to, to well, give up. Look how much money they gave Hamilton. They got it. Yeah. The, the, problem with, the problem with how much they paid Hamilton is not just the defenseman problem across the league or across, it's not even just an, uh, like an individual cap hit. You also run the risk then of now needing to pay every other guy that steps into your office during this offseason. Um, just because of flat out how much money you offered one guy 
with all that cap space. You know, now everybody's agent is going to want a piece of that pie. Yeah. So. I mean, with those deals, you know, I, I may have talked about it, but, you know, I, I don't even like the cap hit now of those deals where some guys got nine and a half, another guy got nine million. You know, I think Wrensky got nine, five, eight, five million. Yeah. Um, you know, those cap hits are really high. And then on top of that, they're like seven or eight year deals. And right. they're signing them at age 28, age, you know, 27, 29. And it's just like, you're going to be paying that guy nine and a half million, nine million dollars when he's 36, when he's 35. It's crazy to me. Um, you know, that that just screams like a, a Zach Parise, Ryan Suter, where they got bought out this year because, you know, they were so old and they were still getting paid loads of money. Um, yeah, exactly. Because but, you, many people can plateau when they get and that's the thing you it's not you don't accelerate like nobody gets better at that age the best you can hope for in that scenario is that that guy is plateauing and he's not getting hurt that's the best case scenario yep yeah so i mean i I like the addition of dougie hamilton for this new jersey team they they needed some offensive presence i think on the back end you know and even on the front end but definitely the the back end as well and they got it in Dougie Hamilton. We'll see how he does. But what's funny, and is they uh, um, they actually still have twelve million dollars in cap space after signing Thomas Tatar at four and a half million for two years, uh, and Dougie Hamilton is still at twelve million dollars. So well, you know why? I mean, they got a lot of guys on entry. They probably still have a lot of entry level contracts, which is helping them out. And then. Yeah, that they do. Jack Hughes is still entry level. Ty Smith. What about Nico? He sure is. He probably not. No, I think he signed his last season. I think he was off of his entry level last season. Let me just quickly check. I think you're right. I think he was a while back. Yeah, so his his entry level signing date was July 15, 2017. That expired in 2020, so he signed a a contract with them last season. $50 $50 million, $50 and $75, $75 million, seven years. So it's cap at 7.25 mil for the next uh, six seasons. Yeah. Nice. nice. So you got paid. Yeah, he got paid. And, you know, I, I do like Heischer as, as, a, as a forward for the Devils. Um, but again, this is just another team that I think. You know, not much going on with them. I, I, they did splash. They did make a, a splash in Dougie Hamilton, and that was nice. Um, but they still have a very young core, uh, like we're mentioning, where some guys are just got off their entry little deals. So this is still he, a developing team. You know, I, I don't think we can really judge them uh, so much now. We'll see how they do after this season. And here's one last point. Is, is Subban, Subban is still playing, right? Or is he retired too? No, he didn't retire. He's just been injured. Um, okay, so, but when he's back, him and Dougie Hamilton are basically the same build. They take a, the they same take a, defenseman. Yeah, no, they're exactly no. the same. They take up $9 million each. The good news is that Supan's contract ends this season. But I mean, on the ice, though, they're going to be right. in the Burns Carlson situation, kind of, yeah. in my eyes. Absolutely. No, I hear you on that. I mean, if, if they're a D pair, that's a D pair that's worth $18 million. 
That's crazy, dude. And they that's, won't be deep there. That's almost a quarter of their cap in two guys. Yes. So on cap friendly, they say that nine million dollars of a cap hit is eleven percent of the cap. So it's it, it, you're right. It's almost twenty four percent. That's crazy. That is that's a lot of trust. It well, is. Like you said, there's only one one year left on Subban's deal, but man, <laughs> it's wild, isn't it? Um, but I, I'm excited to see their goaltending duo of Bernier and Blackwood. You know, we'll see how they do. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, right. you know, maybe keep an eye on the Devils. I don't think they're going to be a dark horse for a playoff spot. I don't think they've done enough to make it to the playoffs, but they're certainly on that right track. So they also might be a team that throws a wrench in like other teams at the end of the season. You know, like a Rangers team that's pulling in like toward the end, and they just all they got to do is like win a couple games against the Devils, and the Devils just kind of steal it without yeah. even needing to go. I could see that being a thing, too. Mm-hmm. All right. Going into the other New York team now, it is the New York Islanders. And this team, I, I don't know what they're doing in the offseason. <laughs> they've been silent. It's Their signings prior to the free agent frenzy was... There, there have been a lot of signings previous to that date. The only signing they made since the since free agency started was Adam Pellick. Wow, man. Yep. And that was August 6th. <laughs> it it took them almost <laughs> two weeks or so, I think a week and a half to do something. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know. they, they've been rumored to sign Parise and uh, I think Zajac as well. Um, I I just don't I just don't know what's going on. Their projected cap space is only eleven and almost twelve million dollars, eleven point nine. Um, it's again they don't have uh, Balmeri signed. They don't have um, Sajak signed. Uh, so there's not a lot of room for those for the, a combination of the two of the three we just mentioned of Parise, Sajak, and, and Palmieri. I don't think they'd be able to sign all three guys. That, would Zajac? Zajac would be returning to New Jersey, wouldn't he? He might. It's definitely possible that he might. I mean, like like we I, just said. If he did sign, he'd be a returning face, right? Um, well, he was a rental that was, I believe, traded to uh, the Islanders. So it's it's possible. It, it, it wouldn't surprise me. Um, you know, rentals always... Are rented out, and then once their contract ends, it's not a surprise that they go oh, back. Wait to the team. All right, I was, I'm like thinking we're still talking about New Jersey for some reason. Oh, no, 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 my bad. Oh, well, you know what, Anna, I don't blame you because New York didn't do a whole lot, so <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't blame you at all, you, you know. <laughs> all right, good save. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. I, it's, but in all seriousness, I, I. They don't even have uh, Sezikis re-signed. So even if you get, say, Parise and uh, what's that? Is, is Sabanajad a free agent too? Still, I don't, at- I don't believe so. Let me quickly okay. look that up. I don't believe he's a free agent. Um, yeah, New Yorker. I mean, I like the Pellet signing. I thought it was a great deal, especially after the what seemed to be just money being thrown at uh, players specifically defensemen in this offseason, you know, that deal is not bad. That's 
arguably a really solid deal, um, you know, because obviously your offensive de- defensemen have cashed out, but a defensive defenseman like Pellick, you know, got got a very reasonable contract. And, you know, if he can produce some offense, it's, it's not going to so look good. Unsung heroes, man. They're the yeah. unsung heroes of championship runs. They really are. Um, I was, I didn't get into an argument, but I, we were discussing in a group chat I'm in, uh, you know, where somebody reported a list of top 10 defensemen and somebody made a remark, how is Slavin higher than Hamilton? And I, I was just like, I'd take Slavin over Hamilton every day. I, I don't would. care about offensive production. If you can't, if yeah. you're a defenseman and you can't play defense, that's actually embarrassing. <laughs> I, yeah. I said, why, why, why don't you just play forward? You know, don't be a defenseman <laughs> if you can't play it. And that's not a criticism of Hamilton, but if you look at his defensive numbers, they're not that great compared to Slavin's. You know, yeah, I mean, Slavin doesn't take penalties. He doesn't like goals. The guy is just—it's just so much more comfortable, like to watch. Slavin on a two-on-one or even a three-on-one than it would be to watch Carlson on it or Hamilton on it or any of those guys. Yeah. Uh, to your Mika's Benajek point, he has only got a year left at $5.35 million. Gotcha. Not bad. Uh, so he'd, he'd be a free agent after this season, this coming season. Okay. It's something that, I, honestly, if New York Islanders can get uh, a Zabinijad and free agency, that would be huge. Uh, it's just now, I don't really know what they're doing. And, <laughs> and, also, and, and the thing is, too, obviously, uh, Zajac and possibly Paul Mary were going to be rentals because, uh, again, they were on expiring contracts. They traded for him they, to, to make a push for the playoffs. So it wasn't, you know, set in stone that these guys were going to re-sign with New York. But at the same time, it's just like New York hasn't even done much of anything and not even sign a guy like I mentioned Casey Zizekas, who's been a huge part of their team. Even though he plays fourth-line minutes, that guy is just... He plays on their identity line. I mean, I don't know if anybody really watches the New York Islanders closely because everyone always mentions how boring of a team they are to watch. Um, but I, I really noticed it in the uh, Tampa Bay series where if they scored, guess what line started? It wasn't the line that just scored. It was going to be the Sezikis line. And, yeah. you know, if they gave up a goal, it's not, you know, obviously they're going to change the line, but it was almost always going to be the Sezikis line to go out there after a goal was scored against them or for them. It, it's an identity line. And it's a very, uh, I think it's the best fourth line in the NHL. Wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not to be taken lightly. Certified. No. It is. And there's no argument, really. I think it's kind of important to actually re-sign Sezikis. I wouldn't let that guy walk somewhere else. Matt Martin and Cal Clutterbuck. I love Matt Martin. I, I know I'm going to get a lot of probably hate for that, and I bet he has a lot of like Tom Wilson feels associated to him. But I really like Matt Martin, and I always have. And anybody who knows the old Drew Miller and uh, Matt Martin – uh, back and forth there is, is that was where it all started <laughs> yeah no I, I agree so new york i think it's time to wake up and do something because uh, time's ticking but you know islanders fans have a lot of uh a lot of confidence in, in lou lamarillo so and That's, i do too i think I and think you know you I gotta find the bench yes and uh 
and oh yeah, Trots. I mean, give Vinny. I think if you gave the Sabers to Trots, he'd yeah. turn them into playoff contenders. Yeah, uh, no joke. But anyway, we'll we'll move on to New York <laughs> Rangers. Uh, New York Rangers again, just a team that hasn't done too much. Um, I was watching a video about NHL free agency, and when they got to uh, New York, they mentioned um, how New York seems to be overcompensating. Uh, that what is it? Uh, the the infamous game where uh, Tom Wilson, you know, punched Booch Navis in the sol- shoulder, and then Panarin came over to defend him, and you know everyone knows how it went. And, and that Panarin was slammed to the ice without a helmet on. Thankfully, he didn't hit his head. But uh, a lot of so the video said that they overcompensated for that to deal with Wilson getting a guy like Ryan Reeves getting. Uh, um, Barkley Goudreau signed the deal that he got. Uh, even Patrick Namath for, to a certain extent, you know, they're, they're getting a lot of tough guys into their lineup. And, you know, people, the, the video I saw was criticizing that. Really? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, everybody was screaming. When that all happened and New York was up in the air, everybody was screaming, oh, like, if the if the league isn't going to, you know, police Tom Wilson, then why don't you just police some Rangers? And now they're mad that they're going out to get guys who can police Tom Wilson? Well, I think it's just an overcompensation. I mean, you got Barkley Goudreau, Patrick Namath. They're making a point. Yes, they are. It's just that you, I mean, I have a problem with it. In fact, I want to see Washington and New York. <laughs> I mean, that's the only game I want to watch right now that we're talking about this. You know, <laughs> you know it's going to make for a good. It's, I, I think the, the hugest criticism, the biggest one of those, all the signings they made of the tough guys was Barkley Goudreau and the deal he got. You know, where it was, it's a, it's a six-year deal with a cap of $3.6 million. A lot of people said that that's an overpayment to just, at a guy who's just known for his grit. Because, I mean, they went out and got Ryan Reeves for $1.75 million. I see, I see. You know, and then, again, Patrick Niemeth, that's a guy who hasn't really seen a lot of playing time in the past couple of seasons. Uh, Jared Tenori as well. Uh, Jared Tenori, I think, came from the Boston Bruins. Um, but a lot of people like the New York Rangers. Uh, they're definitely a team that people... Uh, like to watch and, and especially with their core developing of um, uh, Zabin and Jed Panarin, uh, of course, Lafreniere and uh, Capocacco, you know, they're, they're starting to hope that that core develops more and more and eventually becomes the, the projection they're, they're supposed to be. Um, they, they were able to re-sign Shesterkin to a four-year deal worth $5.6 million. Uh, nice, I thought it was a little high. I thought it was a little high. Uh, but, okay. it, you know, I, I think it's their top goaltending prospect. So it was not a, all too, too much of a surprise that he was uh, signed to that deal. Um, and he's posted some pretty good stats with them. In the playoffs, of, uh, with 12 games, he had... Two uh, goals against average of 2.52, and then a save percentage of 9.32. And then in the regular season, 
he uh, he played 35 games, 2.62 goals against average, and a save percentage of 916. And uh, the the 12 games, I apologize, was actually the regular season. It had a playoffs next to it, so I got confused. But it, that was the regular season stats, not the playoff stats. Okay. Okay. But I mean that that little bit of extra money that they spent is probably a bit of a boat of confidence in the guy, yeah. um, especially yeah. because. I don't know if you remember this, but uh, the the bubble year 2019. Um, it was last year. 2020. Sorry. God, time it's is long. Yeah, it's been long. <laughs> Anyways, the first bubble year, the the playoff series or the play into the playoff series, um, they played against us, and uh, any all the commentators were were all discussing Shosturkin because. He was off in the stands on COVID protocol. I, I believe it, he was labeled as COVID protocol, but it had been a substantial amount of time, or whatever the whatever the fat whatever the reasoning was. There was some level of confusion with the commentators as to why Shosturkin wasn't in net, and they played Lundqvist all three games against us, um, or both. Was it three games? Maybe two. Whatever it was, the entire you guys, you guys swept them, so I, I believe it was three games. Okay, so three, and and Shosturkin never saw the net, and a lot of the commentators were confused about that. Um, I think you know, I think New York Lundqvist was coming to the end, so they just gave him his last hurrah, and now maybe on this end of it, they're just compensating for that, uh, not giving him a chance in favor of the veteran who's going out, you know, in the blades of glory, basically. Right. Uh, right. Maybe they're compensating for that, giving him a little something back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they've also re-signed uh, Philip Cheadle. Okay. You know, that, that his stats, uh, 60 games in 2019-2020, 14 goals, 9 assists, 23 points in this past season, 42 games, 8 goals, 14 assists, 22 points. I mean, like I said, I, I think that this this core is still developing, especially with Lafreniere and, and Capo Caco. Uh, you know, but we'll see how they do. They're they've made some additions, so and, and they re-signed Shesterkin, like we said. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see how the team performs. Um, but other than that, they do have eight point eight million dollars in cap space, and we mentioned a couple of guys out there who are still available. Uh, and then they also have a new head coach in uh, Ger- Gerard Gallant, who uh, I'm a I'm a big fan of. Uh, I'll say that right now. I think that might be their best off-season signing. Wow. <laughs> yeah, the coach is the best off-season signing for you. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I'm going to say that because I think I don't think this New York team is bad, and a lot of the criticism from the fans uh, that I was seeing you know, on social media and just in general was yeah. David Quinn just wasn't the right coach. He wasn't utilizing Lafreniere as well. He wasn't used a lot of utilizing uh, Capococco as well. He overused guys like Panarin and Zabinajad for obviously good reason. They're the superstars on the team. But, um, you know, it took Lafreniere how many games to score his first goal and it was against Buffalo. I mean, that's that was worrisome to a lot of uh, fans of New York, especially because he went first overall. Yeah. Um, so with Gallant coming in, 
and Quinn leaving, I, I think that you're going to get a coach who can utilize those guys more. And I liked him as a coach, even with Vegas. I was shocked that Vegas fired him. I was baffled by that. Uh, but I'm glad to see that he's he's found a new home. Yeah, that is good. All right. Next is the Ottawa Senators. Ottawa Senators, man. I <laughs> I like this team. You know, I think they're starting to build a pretty solid team. They still obviously have their holes. Um, but, you know, starting off with it, they, they moved uh, Dadden off to Vegas, so they got rid of his contract. Uh, which I think that they were looking to do, especially after the season he had. Um, they added Victor Mete, who wasn't getting a lot of playing time in um, Montreal. You know, and it was rumored early in the season that he was going to be traded and that his agent wanted a trade because he wasn't getting playing time with, with Montreal. So now he found a home in uh, in Ottawa, so I like that move. Um, Ottawa just, you know, they, they keep weathering the storm they've had a couple of bad seasons in a row but you know i think they're slowly starting to you know develop and, and improve yeah listen to this dude. they have 28 and a half million dollars in cap space right now <laughs> i'm surprised they didn't make an offer to to hamilton or yeah, seriously seriously i, I mean it, well here's you know what Ann? here's the thing they got thomas shabbat and thomas shabbat uh, let me look at his contract. It's a big contract. He's making eight million dollars a year, and that was signed in 2019. Eight years at 64 million dollars. So they already had a Dougie Hamilton, I would say. Gotcha. Um, his past two seasons. Actually, I'll do the last last three. So 2018, 2019, 70 goal, uh, 70 games rather, 14 goals, 41 assists for 55 points. Uh, uh, 19 to 20, he was 71 games, six goals, 33 assists, 39 points. And then this past season, 49 games, six goals, 25 assists for 31 points. Yeah, he's not producing yeah. at, at what Dougie Hamilton has, but. For a defenseman, that's decent. That's almost a point game. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you, you know, if you were to add Dougie Hamilton at his price, again, we're talking about a P.K. Subban. Dougie Hamilton, where Thomas Shabbat and Dougie Hamilton would take up. Um, uh, wow, I can't do math. Is it $17 million, I think? Nine plus it? eight is 17? Yes, you got yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, okay. Wow, I don't know why I struggled with that one. <laughs> but he, that would take up $17 million in, in the cap. So, yeah, it's it would have been too much, I think, to sign him. Um, like I said, there's still a lot of money that they can re-sign guys. Uh, looking at their contracts, I don't Plus really see it. Chuck, I, I don't think has been signed yet. Who was that? Brady to Chuck. Oh, Brady. Yeah, actually. I don't think he's been signed yet, so you also have to give that guy some money. And maybe that's why they have so much. Yeah, you're right. Huh. Let me, uh, let me quickly see uh, Brady to Chuck. Um, I mean, they, they still have, you know, they're down on the market. I'm kind of looking at these free agents, and once you go past, like, the top 10, you're like, eh, there's really not anybody out there that they can sign with all the money they have. Yeah, nobody really sticks out. I mean, there's Bobby Ryan available, Dominic Cahoon. 
but they've moved past. They're not going to probably go back to uh, Bobby Ryan. No, probably not. It's the thing Char is available, but <laughs> I don't think they go out and get him. I'm not seeing Brady Kachuk here. He's listed on the NHL's article as as still a free agent. Yeah. But, well, it probably is because he's a free agent. That might be why I'm not finding him. But, yeah, I mean, he'll he'll definitely take a chunk of that, $28 million, But there's still a lot of money to sign some other guys. Let me see if I can find restricted free agents. Yeah, it's kind of tough. I mean, there's not too many big names left out on the free agent market. So, you know, Ottawa's time to, to make a big splash has kind of passed, but they're still they're still developing. I think that they can still have a, a good team if they make the right moves coming, you know, a couple of off seasons. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. So, my bad. I just overlooked it. Brady Kachuk is listed on Cap Friendly as an RFA as well as Drake Batherson. So those two guys are going to be need to be re-signed, but again, they got $28.5 million. They definitely have enough space to sign both of those guys. Yeah. Shouldn't be a problem. Uh, not at all. If, 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 if Ottawa can you know, make the right moves in, in the next couple of off-seasons, I think this team can definitely be a contending one for the playoffs, um, given their history lately. It's just them being mediocre, but you know they they definitely have a chance here to 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 be a, a pretty good team. And, and again, they can develop in the draft as well. They have oh yeah, they have uh, they have a second rounder for from where. <laughs> Looks like Nick cut out. How Ottawa is, and again they have twenty eight and a half million dollars in the cap space. So we'll see uh, how you cut out. Have... What's that? I said you you cut out for that statement. I don't know if that got recorded or not. Oh, okay. The the statement about the draft. Yeah, you you began citing cap friendly, and then you just cut out. Ah, uh, okay. I was just mentioning um, they can develop in the draft. They have uh, a couple of picks. They have a second rounder from Tampa Bay in, in 2022. And then the third round, they have their own plus Boston plus the Canucks. So they can develop there. And if they're still a bad team, you know, those those picks are going to be pretty high in the draft. So, again, it's just going to be continuing with developing. And then essentially you're going to be at a point where suddenly you're you're going to be better. And if you make the right off-season moves because they have 28 million dollars this could be a contending team in a couple of years i gotcha all right we're gonna move on to philly oh you're cutting out again now the internet just went down. I think that might be why. Oh, okay. There we go. Okay. Internet's back. That was a weird, weird pause. 
All right, let's let's move then. We gotta move. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, the Flyers are up. The Flyers are the next team. They definitely made some questionable decisions. Um, you know, Sonny Martin Jones to the deal he got. It's a one-year deal, so I don't really want to overreact to it. Um, okay. But having him as a backup, as well as the season Carter Hart had last season, it's definitely iffy. Uh, a lot of people mentioned, oh, that's mostly on the defense, and I definitely hear that from them. You know, uh, defense can definitely make or break a goaltender. I, I don't think it's a topic that gets brought up enough, uh, but I don't think Martin Jones is necessarily a, a goaltender who, even if he had a good decor in front of him, would be a top goaltender in the NHL. I hate to say it, but I, I just don't really. How much is the contract? It's only $2 million. It's It's a uh, one-year deal at two million dollars and i even saw people say it was an overpayment <laughs> i don't know if i i know i mentioned this on the, the podcast i'm pretty sure last week's episode but for me personally a one-year deal no matter what it's priced at isn't in my opinion it can't be an overpayment it it, it can't be a bad contract no matter what the deal is like taylor hall for example in buffalo at eight million dollars People could look at that and go, oh, man, that's an overpayment for a guy like Taylor Hall. But it was a one-year deal. You know, if there was going to be a one-year deal out there, you know, like Dougie Hamilton, for example, if he signed, if he signed at $9 million, it would have been like, who cares? It's a one-year deal. But the fact that yeah. it's a seven or an eight-year deal, that's my issue. I got you. Uh, but they traded Rasmus Ristolainen. Um, that trade... A lot of people questioned that. I I'm I was surprised that Buffalo got the return they got for him. Uh, I think they got uh, off the top of my head. I think they got a first rounder. I don't know from what season. Uh, and then they got Robert Hay and I believe another draft pick from that trade. And people just looked at that and went, "How did Buffalo get that uh, value out of Rasmus Ristolainen?" And I couldn't tell you, but you know. Congrats and a round of applause for Kevin Adams uh, for pulling that off. Round of applause. <laughs> they we, also added, what's that? Philly and Buffalo have like a history of trading each other. Philadelphia and, and Buffalo? Yeah. Um, yeah like doing each other. I think they had, yeah, a couple, man, years ago we, we got Billy Lano from. Uh, Philadelphia, but I don't know if that would be a trade or not. But I think you're right. I think they've had at least past, you know, deals where they've helped each other out. Because um, we it was get made fun of now for being in a love triangle with Detroit and <laughs> Toronto for like. Oh gold. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but Philadelphia also had a key candle at nine hundred thousand dollars for one deal for one year. Uh, again, it, it, that's a contract that a lot of people were suspicious Question. of and a little bit uh, criti- uh, critical of. But again, it's I I think it was a good addition for them. We'll see how he does. And then the Cam Atkinson trade that, of course, uh, sent Voracek back to the uh, Columbus Blue Jackets. thought that was interesting. Cam Atkinson, I think, kind of re- had a reaction of, being surprised when he got traded because he actually liked playing in Columbus. So when he was traded, he was kind of shocked. Uh, but, you know, it, it is what it is. 
It's a business, yeah. Yeah, it's a business, exactly. You know, Columbus needed somebody in Voracek, and they got him, and they had to give up Atkinson. So Philadelphia, I think a lot of people have criticized their offseason. Uh, again, I don't think it's been too, too bad. Uh, you know, we're going to really be able to judge a lot of these teams when they start playing rather than just looking at their their uh, offseason signings. Yeah. But I would just say Martin Jones, it's a, it's a, I know it's a one-year deal. I just don't know if he's a, a good backup to Carter Hart, especially if Carter Hart doesn't have a bounce-back season. Uh, it's definitely not a tandem that looks good uh, on paper, but we'll see how they, how they do and how they handle it. Uh, their, their defense. Oh man. I also forgot Ryan Ellis. Duh. They, uh, they also added Ryan Ellis in a three-way trade that sent Nolan Patrick to Vegas. Um, I think was it Nick Cousins to Nashville and then Ryan Ellis to uh, Pittsburgh, or not Pittsburgh, Philadelphia. I did like that addition. Again, his cap hits pretty high at $6.25 million, but, you know, he's he's been a solid defenseman for Nashville, and I think that again, you needed a solid defenseman uh, with this Philadelphia team. So I, I actually like that move by them. And yeah, it's it seems no, like holding down their defense, actually. Yeah, holding down their defense. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, I thought the decoy was pretty good. To their Let's see. What's that? I said that might be the last piece to their puzzle. Let's you know, let's see. To to your point, when the when the season starts, we'll see more, but. I'd like to see Philadelphia. Maybe this is it. This is the key. Yeah, <clears throat> I, I would too. Um, what's really weird is if you look at the past, I don't know how far back it goes, um, but I was I was watching this video where somebody just broke down uh, Philadelphia's playoff history. And the past, I'm just going to say seven seasons, it's been a constant um, routine of they'll make the playoffs then they miss the playoffs, then they make it, then they miss it, then they make it, then they miss it. And so they're just floating basically on that line. Pretty much. So last season in the bubble, they made it. This season, they, of course, missed it, which means now they're on track to make it, you know, this upcoming season. So we'll see if that continues. Uh, I don't know if it does, but I do, I do like the additions of Ryan Ellis and Keith Yandel. Yeah. And Ivan Provorov still, I, I like him as a defenseman. We'll see how this team does. Um, they have $4 million in cap space, so I doubt they make any other move, but we'll see what they can do. You know, we'll see if they can bounce back from, from last season. Which then brings us to Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, I think, is in the middle of, if not the beginning of the fall of Olympus. Um, uh, with with the with Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin, you know Crosby's 34, Malkin's 35. Uh, Malkin's in his last year on his contract. Sidney has a couple of seasons left on it. I just the the, the team is just not what it used to be a yeah. couple of seasons ago, ago when they went back to back. Um, yeah, I'm looking at their forward core, and it's it's definitely questionable, especially if. Crosby or Malkin were to go down. Um, Which is likely. Yep. Hughes Netzel, he, if I'm not mistaken, had a, 
Okay, he had a pretty good season. I was going to say, I thought he had a down year, but he was over a point per game, just over a point per game this past season. Yeah. Good for um, him. Yeah, man. And it was, I mean, they did make the playoffs, dude. Don't forget, they did make the playoffs. Did, did they? Am I forgetting that? Did they play the Islanders again? They did, right? Uh, yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I mean, they're consistently making the playoffs. It's just they're not making deep runs. Um, and again, with, with Crosby and Malkin getting older, I mean, you have Jeff Carter, who's who's 36, and, you know, that, that core is is definitely fading away, similar to, like, Ovechkin in, in Washington, where the core that once was is starting to, to fade and get older, and, you know, they're, they're still produced. Don't get me wrong. Sidney Crosby and, and Ovechkin still produce, which is fascinating, but... Uh, you know, once those guys leave, it's how can you fill those shoes once they leave? It's going to be tough for, for both teams to replace the, the, their top guys. Um, and then their goaltending duo of, of Tristan Jari and, and Casey DeSmith. You know, I don't I, know. <laughs> and it's brutal. I mean, Tristan Jari, man, that's. He's like Matt Murray 2.0. Uh, I agree. I, I don't know if it's their goaltending coach that just, you know, isn't getting technique or form down on these goaltenders with their, uh, top, with their glove side. But he's probably not taking the penna seriously. He's not taking it seriously. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I hear you. Um, because Tristan Jari, like I said, and it was, it not only was that, but there were a couple of times where Tristan Jari would go out to play the puck. And I don't know if you and I have made a statement. I'm sure we have. I um, have, I know. Uh, this is one of my biggest, biggest pet yeah. peeves. So Andy and I both are big on goaltenders not playing the puck. You know, I, Andy and I believe that. Put like regular season, I'm okay with it. But when you come, when it comes playoffs, and I'll let you talk. Yeah, I mean, when it comes to playoffs, especially with Tristan Jari, for example, I think it was Game Five. Uh, it's double overtime. You know, Pittsburgh was out shooting. Oh my gosh. If you want to watch, if you want to look at a funny box score of a game, look at that one. Again, I I think it was game five. I could be wrong though. I could have sworn that the shots on goal were like 63 of uh, Pittsburgh to 29 or or 28 Islanders, and it's double overtime. And, and this was a game that that the Pittsburgh needed to win to really sort of bounce to to really sort of uh, stay in that series. And Tristan Jari goes to play the puck. And just just shoots it right at the slot, which I have never seen be effective. You know, I'm not even high on goaltenders just flipping the puck up the boards, but especially throwing it in the slot. Anyway, Josh Bailey easily intercepts it uh, and catches Tristan Jari out of position, obviously. He puts it in the back of the net, and I think that made the series 3-1 to one or 2-1 or in... in uh, the Islanders' favor again. I forget what game it was, but that was like a nail in the coffin for Pittsburgh. It was a game they needed to win. They didn't get the win over that just awful. Not that, but they blundered the game away. Their goaltender exactly. blundered the game away. Yeah, and it was nobody's fault but the goaltender. I mean, so we're not huge on, on goaltenders playing the puck, and and Tristan Jari with the way he plays the puck on top of his his positioning and his glove side. I don't know if he's really your starter. Um, 
Again, there wasn't a lot of goalie markets out there. There wasn't a lot of big names. Um, we saw Grubauer go to Seattle, but again, I feel like that was a behind-the-back, behind-the-door deal that wasn't uh, speculated or anything. It's just privately, they, they already had that deal all set with, with Philip Grubauer, and then come time, the draft came, and, and you know they made their selections and everything. They, they signed him to a deal. So again, there, there weren't a lot of goaltenders in the market, and Again, I just don't know if Tristan Jar and DeSmith can perform for them. Uh, their defense, it still has Latang, but he's definitely injury prone. He's on his last year of a deal as well. Uh, so at the end of this season, Malkin and Latang would be free agents. I wouldn't expect them to leave Pittsburgh. Uh, I'm sure that they would stay, but I'm just saying they're, they're getting old. Uh, one's 34, the other's 35. It's definitely uh, that the core of, of Pittsburgh is, is fading away. And it's actually kind of sad to see because, you know, we grew up watching Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Balkan and Chris Latane just tear it up. And now you're going to see them retire. And again, who's going to fill those shoes when they go? Yeah. And just real quick on goalies playing the puck. Here's the, like, the, this is the most simplest and quickest way I can summarize that. Goalies wear skates that are not meant for skating. They play with a stick that is not meant for stick handling. And they play with gloves that are also not meant for stick handling. So why are they playing the puck? (laughs) And now we can move on. (laughs) Okay. Moving on. It is the San Jose Sharks. Uh, San Jose has been an interesting team in the offseason. They dealt away... Uh, Martin Jones, uh, although they bought him out and uh, eventually he signed with uh, Philadelphia, as we know. Uh, they signed Cogliano and Nick Bonino. Um, the whole debacle with Evander Kane just gets uglier and uglier every single day. Um, and, it, it feels- and then I think that's the biggest story coming out of their offseason, to be honest with you. I mean, they've had signings, but with the accusations that his ex-wife made, uh, specifically about um, betting on games as well as, uh, you know, was, I think throwing was, games that he, that was the big, I think yes. that was the big. Yep. Uh, and then, you know, personal matter, I won't get too much into it, but basically she also claimed uh, that he went on vacation in Europe for a week or so or however long. Um, and whenever she tried to get in contact with him, he wouldn't respond. Finally, after a week, he got back to her, and at the time he got back to her was the time that their house was being, uh, you know, you know, bought by the bank. I don't know, foreclosed by the bank, but the bank was there to basically move them out. So they were packing up, and she's pregnant with kids, and she was doing that all by herself while he's, you know, and she claimed he was partying and gambling in uh, in Europe. So I'll just ma- I'll just go as far as that personally. Uh, like a like a Antonio Brown almost. Yeah, man, it's it's bad. And what really sucks, you know, is is Evander Kane had a really good season in in San Jose this past season. Um, you know, and and people of course made the uh, made the joke. Oh, it's because he was betting on them. You know, he he was betting on them to win. So of course he started to perform. <laughs> and uh, boy, oh boy, if that's the case, you know, the league is doing an investigation into those claims by his ex-wife. Um, he came out and made a statement, of course, you know, his ex-wife is, you know, obviously 
I'm very emotional at the time, yada, yada, yada. And said that he never betted on games. Yeah, he's He's what? He's completely denied it all. Yep. He came out, I think, with two statements. One about the games and the betting, and then one about his personal matters with his wife. This is a mess. It's a mess of a player if you want him. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, he's got four more years on the deal. Um, uh, For anybody out there who doesn't know, he's $28 million in debt the last time I heard, which was a couple of months ago. He's $28 million in debt. Uh, His creditors, I think he had a law, not a lawsuit, but I think he had a hearing or something about, you know, his creditors and what his future is and how he can pay his debts off. His creditors wanted him to stay on contract and not be bought out because they want their money back, obviously, that they want him to pay back their debts. They don't want to see him be bought out and never play in the NHL because how is he going to pay them back? So. The creditors wanted him to have San Jose stay, not buy him out, and keep him on contract. And it, it's, man, it's 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 something else. Like you said, it's just a mess of a player. Uh, it's it's sad to see. You never like to see people who, I mean, you hear about players who go into debt after their professional careers are over. We're looking at a player who's currently, you know, in in debt as he's still playing the game. And a pretty substantial amount at that, too. Yeah. So, you know, San Jose's got a lot of work to do internally with him. And, you know, outside of the signings that they made, they didn't make a big splash anywhere. So there there wasn't really much to take your eyes off of the Evander Kane debacle. Um, so and it's going to be interesting how this thing plays out. Uh, I don't know when the investigation of the NHL into his betting and all that is going to um, you know, when reports and results and findings come out. I don't know when that will be. I would assume it's going to be before the season starts, but you know, we don't know on that. We'll see. They, they did acquire Aiden Hill from the Coyotes in a trade, uh, and they also had added James Reimer uh, to their goaltending depth. But a duo of James Reimer and Aiden Hill I don't think is an upgrade from Martin Jones. and. Uh, no. I was going to agree. I, I don't think you're doing a whole lot for yourself there. Yeah. I mean, James Reimer, he did play well in Carolina. Uh, but, you know, with, with Delkovich coming up and, and playing for them, he kind of he was a, he was the odd man out. And Peter Morazic and Ned started to share the net with uh, Carolina. Yeah, especially once Morazic came back from that injury. Correct. Yeah. So it was. It was obvious that I think he wasn't going to stay in Carolina, but when he went to San Jose, I was kind of like, I feel like you're kind of getting Martin Jones again. I mean, I would definitely say that Reimer is the better goaltender than Jones. It's just he's kind of been a journeyman, like we mentioned in the in previous uh, in the previous episode when we mentioned. That yeah, he's never, never going to be that number one guy that you can always go to. He's going to be that guy who steps in when you're when you're. Uh, goaltending tandem or your goaltender number one is either struggling or injured or whatever yeah and and he's not a he's never been a bona fide starter in this league even right. with Toronto so the Aiden Hill James Reimer combo we'll see how it plays out for for San Jose but um, you know obviously the big story is everyone's got their eye on Evander King right moving on we'll go to Seattle uh, there's not too much to talk about with Seattle because we already talked about their draft. 
so we can just get into their their signings. Um, and I thought their signings were, were pretty uh, pretty good. Um, they're very. I mean, I know that was. What was that? Later. I think Grubauer was a nice uh, signing. I totally I agree. The goalies. I, you know, I, I was surprised that Grubauer didn't re-sign with uh, Colorado. Um, I thought that he had started to find a home, especially with the way he had been playing in Colorado since going to uh, to them after he won the cup with Washington in 2018. Um, they also added Chris Drieger, so I like their tandem of Grubauer and Drieger. Uh, they, they signed Jamie Alexiak as well. Adam Larson, I couldn't believe was available, um, especially with how he had been playing with the Oilers. Right. It was shocking to me that, that he was available. And he had down years. I'm looking at him now. He, he did have down years with uh, Edmonton. But I think there's a, there's reasonable, uh, a reasonable uh, assumption that can be made that he'll bounce back with a new home. Maybe he just started to not fit in with uh, Ottawa, or not Ottawa, Edmonton. Um, they also added Marcus Johansson as well as Jaden Schwartz. A lot of people thought the Jaden Schwartz contract was um, an overpayment, especially at the five-year deal that he got. But of the signings we've seen, I certainly don't think it's it's the worst. And I do like the addition of Jaden Schwartz. It, it definitely adds a little boost to your top six uh, that I think that they were lacking uh, previously to their free agency. Um, but yeah, I, I do like Seattle. We'll see where they go. Yeah, Seattle be pretty interesting. Um, who was the other name with Jaden Schwartz that you mentioned? Uh, Marcus Johansson. Yes, Marcus Johansson. I, I also thought I would like to give some props to that. I think uh, that was a pretty good addition to a new team. Um, hopefully that guy finds a home with Seattle because I think if he can find a home somewhere, he'll end up being a pretty solid uh, forward. I would agree with that. I mean, last his last real home was New Jersey. I think he was with them for three years, and after that, he was a rent. He was rented out to Boston, and they signed I think the trade deal with the uh, Sabers. And then, of course, after that, he went to Minnesota, and now he's here in Seattle. So the past couple of seasons for Marcus Johansson has definitely been a journeyman-like season for a guy who's only 30 right now. Um, but I totally agree with that. If he can find a home in Seattle, I think he can really solidify himself as a, as a forward and, and find, a, find a home where he can stay in. Um, looking at the Vince Dunn deal as well, I actually really like that. Um, St. Louis seemed to be pretty generous with... Uh, Seattle giving, allowing them to take Schwartz and Dunn. I do like both those guys. Um, Schwartz was definitely a big part of their cup run in 2019. And Dunn is just, a, I think, a really good defenseman that not too many people talk about. Um, he's had some pretty stellar seasons. His last three seasons in 18-19, 78 games, uh, 12 goals, 23 assists, 35 points. 19-20, 71 games, 9 goals, 14 assists. 23 points, and then this past season, 43 games, 6 goals, 14 assists, 20 points. Uh, so, yeah, you're not getting a top, top defenseman, but you're definitely getting a, a probably a two or bottom, uh, you know, three guy. We'll see how he does, but I, I do like the signings they've made. And after the draft that they had, a lot of people were kind of scratching their heads, but 
with their signings, I think they've they've definitely made good additions uh, on top of what they've drafted. Definitely. All right, and then the next team is St. Louis. Uh, St. Louis, um, we just mentioned they lost Vince Dunn and uh, Jaden Schwartz to free agency. Uh, they're now having issues with Vladimir Tarasenko. Apparently, he wants a trade out of St. Louis for whatever reason. Um, I I don't know if I don't know if uh, if he wanted to be ch- traded to uh, Seattle so they could avoid uh, the being trapped like a player drafting them uh similar to what we saw with like minnesota when vegas came or um other teams who who traded uh, eric Halla and alex tuck so they wouldn't uh, pick dumba when vegas came around i thought that they were going to trade tarasenko to seattle to avoid that but that didn't end up happening they've added pavel buchnevich who i liked uh, they've also added brennan son i really liked that uh, a lot of people said that Saad was going to replace Schwartz. Um, it's a good signing. I, I like that one. Jordan Cairo got re-signed. He had a great rookie season. And Zachary Stanford got re-signed. Barbashev, too. Barbashev, too, yeah. yep. It's interesting uh, by them. Definitely an interesting additions. Um, we'll see what they do with, with Tarasenko. I feel like Tarasenko, though, is, is not necessarily washed up it's just we haven't seen much of him the past three seasons i'd say and not a lot of teams want to pick up the contract he's on and maybe the reason why they can't deal him away is because whenever somebody inquires about you know tarasenko and they ask okay so here's a deal we have worked out for you are you looking to retain any salary and they say no i think that's where teams are are hanging up the phone or deals how much is his contract? Uh, I'm pretty sure it's seven million. Let me just seven. double check that for you. Right. Seven and a half, actually, for the next two years. Wow, Long, seven and a half. Yeah, that's 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 kind of a risky pickup. I can I can see that from teams. Yeah, I mean, if you get retained salary out of St. Louis, it's not bad. Um, but it sounds it seems like that's. Like you said, that's where the hang-up is with everybody. Yeah. yeah, I would imagine that the reason why he hasn't been dealt is is, is St. Louis is not looking to retain his, his salary. Um, even a 25% retained salary isn't even that bad. They don't have a lot of cap space, so I can understand why they just want to get rid of the whole contract and not have to deal with keeping it around, keeping any percent of it around. Um, but... If you want to get something out of them, you got to be able to to work with other teams. Exactly. Yeah. Like we said, it's a business, and and it's not just about you. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. He does have a no trade clause. Um, I still don't know the difference between a no trade clause and a no movement clause. I think a no a no trade clause is um, they can't be traded unless they ask for a trade, and if they ask for a trade, they get a list of of teams they don't want to be traded to and a no movement clause is strictly i guess it says right here modified no trade clause player submits a five team no trade list but as far as no trade clause i just it doesn't give any indication of what it is it it i i'm imagining it's just like very different legal things that's all 
like the legal termage is probably we're not understanding. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah, probably. Um, yeah, I mean, that's really it with uh, the Blues. They've kind of, you know, dipped since 2019. Um, oh, without a doubt. Yeah. Without a doubt, absolutely. They, I mean, I do like the Bonville, uh, or Pavel Buchnevich's contract, and I do like the addition of Brennan Saad. Um, but, again, they don't have a lot of cap space to sign anybody else. Um, and the team just, it's not too much improved from yet, from last season. Uh, and again, Jordan Bennington is starting to, I think, get the title of overrated. Um, not by, you know, uh, the rest of the league, but even by some Blues fans themselves, especially with the contract he's on. Um, you know, he had, a, he had a great rookie season when he brought them to the Cup and eventually won it. But since then, I think he's kind of dipped. Uh, and has sort of plateaued even, and just has not seen the same uh, Julian Bennington that we saw in 2019. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, it's tough for for goalies to repeat that feat um, ever. You know, uh, Cam Ward had the opportunity to do it, and I don't think, you know, they never won another one um, after his, uh, you know, Patrick Waugh. He only won one or two cups. But, you know, once he left Montreal, I don't think he won another one. Uh, so, yeah, those goalies, they sometimes can fall off like that and just never find that stride again. And it definitely seems like Bennington is uh, is doing that. Yeah. Um, but, hopefully, yeah, hopefully they rebound. Dude, hopefully the new pickups that they have, Brandon Saad, um, uh, Buchnevich coming in, you know, hopefully those guys add something for them. Maybe, you know, Bennington finds finds his stride again, and uh, it's a new season. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Now we're going to go into the Stanley Cup champion, the back-to-back Stanley Cup champion in Tampa Bay. Uh, they're offseason, but they've re-signed Braden Point to his $9.5 million AAV at eight years, so $76 million in total. They've signed Corey Perry, which <laughs> Corey Perry is uh, – is like the um, who's the basketball player everybody makes fun of, where you know he keeps losing to a team in the in the finals and then keeps signing with other teams to try and win. I want to say KD, but I think that's wrong. Is it Russell West? Maybe I forget who it is, but um, Corey Perry. You know he lost back to back years against Tampa Bay. He lost with them in Dallas in 2020 and then lost against them just this past season as Montreal. So he's kind of just like, screw it. No, I'm no, going to him. <laughs> I'm going to him. Hopefully I win with them. Uh, honestly, they, they outside of those, not not too huge here. They they got Brian Elliott, so I imagine he replaces uh, um, McElhinney in the back end as the backup to uh, um, Vasilevsky. They added Pierre Edouard Dumas, uh, Belmar. Again, not too much. I don't think they made, they had made too many tr- uh, additions or subtractions. Uh, this is a team that just won the Stanley Cup. So their core definitely, as years go on, they lose that, but no big deal. They trade, They were able to trade the uh, Tyler Johnson contract uh, to get a lot of cap space off of them. So that was huge. They they had been looking to do that 
uh, for a while now, and they finally got that off their hands, and they didn't even have to retain the salary, so that's nice. Um, although it's going to be tough uh, for them possibly next season. They don't have any cap space right now. Um, and Andre Palat, next, after this season, he his contract will expire. Uh, so that, I mean, that's not going to be a huge re-signing, but he makes 5.3 right now. I doubt he, you know, tries to add to that, but we'll see. Uh, there's not too much to add to, to Tampa Bay, really. Like I said, they, they haven't made, you know, any huge additions or subtractions, and they just won the cup. So, you know, no big no big deal here. Um, the, only, the biggest one was just re-signing Brayden Point. Yeah. It's his deal. Other than that, there's there's not much too too much to add here. Um, I, I still think they're going to be top of the Atlantic Division now. If we go back to the regular divisions, they're easily going to win that division, I think. Um, and I think we even made I made predictions I think last week about um, the Atlantic, and I think I was just kind of questioning if Florida's going to be in the fourth or. If Toronto's going to be in the fourth position, but we'll see how we'll see how Tampa does. There's, like I said, there's not too much to talk about them. Uh, you know, I think, you know, we'll see how they do next season. Do they win a third in a row? I guess is the yep. only thing to add. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's gonna like you know, like you said, coming off of two Stanley Cup champions, they're gonna. They're likely going to be quiet. The only thing I'm really looking forward to is, uh, and it's not going to be something that happens this year, but when the time comes, you know, how is uh, Stamkos going to be handled? Are they going to carry him into the oblivion and and just hang, cling on to him even past his value? Or are they going to try and offload him maybe toward the end of this season or the end of next season is really the window that I'm looking at. Hopefully he stays healthy too for the year that you do trade him because um, if you do end up trading him because otherwise you know that will be that'll be another who knows how much money off of the asking price that you're going to be getting. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they deal with Steven Stamkos. He does have a no movement clause, and when I hover over it, it doesn't even mention like player can submit you know a, a five or seven list team. So mm-hmm. I feel like he can't even be moved. And he has three years left on a contract that he makes eight and a half million dollars on. Wow. I think I mentioned it once they won the Stanley Cup. I'm pretty sure I did. I feel like they've proven that they really don't even need Stamkos anymore. Yeah, um, I think I feel like they can offload him like you mentioned. Um, maybe if he were to waive his no movement clause or, or whatever. I know he's the captain and he's been their captain for you know, years now, but Braden Point, Nikita Kucherov, and Palat, some of the other guys, I think, can easily be able yeah. to pick up the, the load that, that Stamkos provided, uh, especially, like you said, with his injury history. But the next team now, if I'm not mistaken, is Toronto. Yes, it is Toronto. This is a team that... Uh, you know, when they signed Kasha and they signed Richie, I was kind of like, all right, so you can't beat the Bruins, so you're slowly becoming the Bruins. I like it. It's a bold <laughs> move. Um, but in all seriousness, you know, I think they've had a decent offseason. Um, 
they're improving their bottom six, which is something that doesn't really get mentioned a lot. You know, everyone's really harping on the whole oh, they have, you know, four players and they, you know, 40 million combined. And it's like, yeah, we can get that. But their bottom six definitely needed to be improved. Uh, guys like uh, Ilya Mikheyev, um, you know, uh, Jason Spitz, to a certain extent, though, he's been really well for them. Um, their bottom six has just been really just not producing. I mean, it would it makes you even even rely heavily on your top six even more, which puts right. a lot of pressure on them because um, they can only do so much. A lot of people always criticize, you know, Matthews and Marner, and it's like you guys make all this money and you can't produce, and it's just like you got to give them help. You can't you can't just rely on those four guys, Nylander, Tavares, Marner, and Matthews to do everything. So I do like the additions of, of Kasha and Richie. I think that'll help their bottom six. Richie had done really well in the power play for Boston as well. So I think, you know, he can be a, a power play twos type of guy for Toronto and they can have a pretty, you know, deadly uh, power play. They did have the number one power play for a while, I think this season as well. So wow. the addition of him actually definitely helps them, which is surprising. Um, but the funny thing is, it's just, I, I thought, I forget where, but there was a portion of the season where they were number one and then a portion of the season where it was so bad that it wasn't last place. They still were like the top five power play unit. It's just, uh, you know, the in trend. A, yeah, the trend that they were going and they were like one of the worst power plays. Uh, they also added Peter Morozik. Um, I do like the additions. I, I think they've had a pretty good offseason. Uh, like I said, they're helping out that bottom six that desperately needed help. Um, and a, a, a Jack Campbell, Peter Morazic duo. Um, Jack Campbell. That's solid. It's, yeah, it is. I mean, I'm not harping on him. I just, I'm trying to figure out who the starter is, um, which is not I, a bad I thing. think it's Campbell. I think you I go think Campbell. You run Mrazek as the backup. Mrazek had his opportunity to be a full-time starter in Carolina, and I don't think he really earned it, especially for a team that he's walking into a Jack Campbell situation with. Right. Um, I definitely don't think Mrazek is going to be the number one guy. Uh, I even I wouldn't even say I, I think I'd lean more toward like a one A with Mrazek compared to Campbell. Um, in the sense that Campbell doesn't get all, you know, like how Vasilevsky gets games, but I think Campbell could easily walk away with, you know, over half the season played, probably 50 games, 55 maybe, and then give Mrazek the rest. Yeah, it's it's contingent on how, how well he plays. Um, yeah. With the season he just had, and even the, in the, the postseason he had, I, I think he definitely gets a starting position. Um, and again, if he doesn't perform well, you still have Morazic to jump in. And obviously, he, like you mentioned, he's not a bona fide starter, uh, but can definitely, you know, easily come in and provide you with some great goaltending, uh, which Toronto has not had great goaltending in years. Uh, it's arguably been one of their biggest uh, weaknesses, even when they played Boston. You know, Anderson just wasn't up to par, and even sometimes he was up to par. The team in front of them just couldn't do anything. So Toronto, I think, has done a, a good job this offseason of addressing, you know, their issues with goaltending, their bottom six. Um, there were rumors going around 
that Morgan Riley might be traded. Uh, he he is on an expiring contract this season, so he could possibly be a deadline deal um, if they feel as though they can move on from Morgan or Riley and, uh, you know, get some maybe younger guys, maybe even, you know, just some prospects and just get him off and, and trade him to a team that's contending. It'll be interesting to see how they deal with that. Um, but like I said, I, I really like their bottom six now. I think it's it's definitely improved. Their top six, I think it's is a good top six. You know, Tavares, Matthews, Marner, and Nylander. You know, those four guys are huge. Uh, I think a lot of people would agree with you. Yeah, I mean, like they get a lot of criticism, and I understand it with the contracts they're on. But you know, I've I've the last two seasons I've come to watch um, the Leafs more and more, and because they're okay. they are a fun team to watch. And those guys, man, they they're they're playmakers. You know, they they are deadly on the ice. Um, you didn't really get to see that a lot in the Canadian division this past season because, you know, everyone labeled that as the weakest division. So it was like, oh, Toronto's beating up on all the other Canadian teams. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see how they do going back into the Atlantic. But uh, I, I just always like. As a Buffalo fan, whenever I watch the Leafs play, I'm always worried when those guys are on the ice. I mean, especially if we're up a goal with a minute left in the game, I'm I'm worried that they're going to score because they have the ability to do so. Um, they get a lot of criticism from fans, but you know they they produce a lot for you guys and get a lot of criticism uh, with it. But overall, this team has improved. I like that bottom six. Their top stick, their top six, relatively remains the same. Uh, and they just get some depth that they desperately needed. And, you know, I think they'll be a good team in the Atlantic uh, this upcoming season. All right, Vancouver Canucks. Vancouver Canucks have had uh, an average offseason. Uh, they did pick up... Um, who is it? They picked up uh, Connor Garland and Oliver ekman Larson in the trade uh, with the Coyotes where they dumped, I think, Louis Erickson and Jay Beagle, two guys that were making a large chunk of money in the bottom six. So that was good for them to get rid of those contracts. Um, and they pick up Oliver Ekman Larson, who a lot of people look at his contract and say it's, it's likely to be bought out or it's likely to be um, a contract that, hasn't aged well and doesn't age well. He's definitely been regressing. Mm -hmm. But a change of scenery can possibly help that. Uh, I know a lot of people have maybe already written off Oliver ekman Larson, but we'll see how he does in Vancouver. Uh, and adding Connor Garland, I really liked by them. Their top six improves with him up there. Uh, it'll be an interesting team to, to see play. The issue is, uh, however... Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes are both RFAs and need to be resigned. And that is an issue with only $13 million left. Yeah. That is going to be interesting how they finagle yes, that. It is. And, you know, I, I, a lot of people keep saying there's no way they sign both those guys with the, the deals they, can't, they have. Uh, Elias Pettersson, I think, came out with a, um, a statement that basically said, uh, you know, he wants to go somewhere to win. Um, really? Basically summarize that. Yeah, he said, 
He has a quote here. Uh, I just want to play where there's a chance of winning. <laughs> so that didn't really bode well that he would resign. Yeah. Um, we'll see what we'll see what happens with Elias Pettersson in, in that, but it'll be interesting to see how how they do. Even Quinn Hughes, I don't know what he's going to be signed at, but with the seasons he's been having with them, man, it's going to be tough to get those guys under $13 million each. It's, uh, it's interesting, man. I, I'm i going to be looking at this. I'm going to be watching this, uh, how the GM there handles this, and then subsequently yeah. how their season plays out for sure. And, and the issue is... Uh, um, so you mentioned the GM. Jim Benning is their GM. And Jim Benning is, I think, largely hated by Canucks fans because he's known as a guy to overpay a player. Um, look at the Erickson deal. Uh, yeah. A couple of other deals where he, he's over he's overpaid people. Uh, people really applauded the Oliver ekman Larson trade until they realized that, yes, they dumped Beagle and they dumped um, Louis Erickson. And I believe they also dumped... Uh, Antoine Roussel, but they picked up Erickson's contract and he's been regressing. So you were able to get rid of a lot of cap space, but you brought on a lot of cap space with the player who isn't really performing. So it's interesting to, to see the position that Vancouver's in. And like you said, we'll see how they play out with, uh, you know, those signings that they have to make with Quinn Hughes and um, Elias Pettersson. But definitely worrisome to hear him come out and say publicly he just wants the chance to win. Yeah, that's tough. if you're a Canucks fan, that's tough to hear for sure. Yeah, it's it's definitely offer sheets like Sebastian Ajo, where you know he gets signed by another team, but Carolina matches the deal. Uh, but it's possible that you know a deal that he gets somewhere else with another team is likely not to be re-signed by Vancouver because it just might be too much for them. And the um, thing, well, actually, the thing with Ajo, really quick, I had heard that there was a little bit of, like, Montreal did Carolina a favor there. Yes. Yeah. I think he did. Um, I think you're right about that. I forget why it helped him, that maybe he was looking for more money. and then It was because it kind of, like, removed Ajo's ability to negotiate with us and negotiate a higher contract. Because because of what Montreal did, we immediately had to address that with Ajo and either say, we're going to match it and you can stay here or like you're taking it and you're going there. So it, it, we didn't have to like go to the negotiation table with him and say, what do you want? And him oh. say something like nine or ten, you know? Oh, okay. Yeah, they did do you a favor then. Shout out to uh, Mark Bergevin. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, we, that's a legend <laughs> more than no, you man, I, Mark Bergeron, man, probably my favorite GM in the league. Not even he's a GM idea. for the GMs. <laughs> yeah, he is. He's legendary. His his uh, his reactions when how Montreal, how well Montreal did in the playoffs were priceless. I agree. I agree. Suits, you know, I, I I think he started to wear that red suit. Uh, I don't know if it was. Um, obviously, this guy's rich, so I don't really know expensive suits but it, i just really like the color of it and eventually he would start wearing that suit more and more because it was like a good luck charm to him and it was just like man this guy is freaking awesome <laughs> yeah just a guy who might do his own tune basically 
Yeah, exactly. And, and Canadians fans are like, I feel like they're split on that guy. And like, obviously, he's signed bad contracts and he's made questionable trades. And then he makes up for it by, you know, signing really good contracts and making good trades. So Montreal's like on the fence about him. But anybody spectating that guy, you plus, have... plus, he did what he did with, with Price. Like, that yeah. was sort of a, a nice thing for the Canadian fans if, if they have their money, their stock in Price right now. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, but without further ado, we'll go into uh, Vegas here. We're almost wrapping up the uh, last couple of teams. Um, Vegas, again, nothing huge here. They did re-sign Marcus, or not Marcus, uh, Matthias Janmark, who, you know, I thought really played well for them uh, this past season. It's $2 million cap hit, so, and it's a one-year deal. So, again, not huge. They also uh, added Laurent Brossois. Uh, from Vegas, or not Vegas, from uh, Winnipeg, uh, to back up what I would assume would be Leonard, now that uh, Fleury didn't leave, was rather traded. Uh, they also re-signed Martinez. Uh, he makes 5.25 now for the next three years. Uh, and again, they're, they're not too much additions after that. Um, well, they did not too, I think. Yes, yeah, I mentioned that earlier when I, yeah. Oh, yeah, you did, so, okay. Yeah, so when I talked about Ottawa, I mentioned that they were able to get rid of the uh, Ottawa or the Dadnoff contract and give it to uh, gotcha. Vegas. Uh, which okay. now, I got to imagine Vegas is at the threshold. Yeah, okay, so they have zero cap space. Um, and again, I, I mentioned, I, I, okay, so I know what I wanted to say. So I wanted to specifically talk about Flurry for a second. Um, because it's going to sort of set up the next portion of, of what I'm talking about. And okay, uh, you so at least last episode. Yes, exactly. Okay. All right. Here we go. I'm ready. All right. So the, everyone knows the story with Flurry. Um, uh, more specifically, I guess, uh, you know, what people didn't know uh, uh, from the original reports is not only did Flurry hear about him being traded from Vegas from Twitter, not anybody in the organization. But also, he met with um, the GM, I think it's McCrimmon. Yeah, Kelly McCrimmon. So I don't know when this went down. Um, I, I think it was, I think it may have been when they were eliminated. Uh, but it was sometime recently. And Kelly McCrimmon was in an elevator with, with Marc-Andre Fleury, I guess, where, you know, McCrimmon told Fleury, you know, he's our guy, you're our guy. We're looking to keep you around, yada, yada, yada. Um, and it, it just came as a shocker uh, to hear that after the previous um, uh, article that came out that he was, uh, found out he was traded on Twitter. You know, it was, it was, it was shocking to hear that he, was, he found that out during Twitter, but it was even more shocking when you add that into it. Uh, and basically, the bigger picture that's coming out of Vegas that's sort of been kind of muted is uh, essentially how they treat their players. Uh, that's definitely been a, a question up in the air. Um, maybe this organization just doesn't treat their players all that well. Uh, and then I'll get into Max Pacioretty. Apparently, um, they're not butting heads with the guy, but apparently they're looking to trade him uh, out of Vegas. And... Um, you know, you, you see a guy like Ryan Reeves, who I thought has really fit in well with Vegas. Um, you know, he's been a very animated guy on the bench. There's been plenty of videos where he's singing songs on the bench. Uh, he's, he's, you know, obviously a big chirper. 
Uh, you know, he's not afraid to go after anybody. You know, in, in 2018, he often went after Tom Wilson. So he's been a big player with Vegas, uh, you know, and, and, and definitely a more known player of Vegas and as a guy who, you know, is a bottom six. And what does he do in free agency? He goes to New York and he signs, you know, a $1.7.5 million contract, I think. Uh, so the, the question coming out of Vegas is, you know, are, how are they treating players? Is management just kind of just have a disconnect with players? Uh, with, Mac, with the Max Pacioretty trade rumor, or at least, you know, a, a, a player issue, I don't know if it's Pacioretty coming out and saying he wants to be traded or if it's the team wanting to deal him away. Uh, but things are getting interesting, and it sounds like they're starting to get a reputation of sort of, I wouldn't say backstabbing players, but certainly not treating them uh, as well as, you know, other teams may may have. I mean, and especially Flurry, that to to see the Flurry trade and then to hear, you know, how Kelly McCrimmon, you know, told Flurry that he would stay and he's their guy and then see him be traded and not even be told. I mean, that that's shocking because Flurry, I think, was the face of their franchise. Yeah, it's it's not it's it's sort of like it's not maybe not that they're treating them poorly like all the time, but like as far as dealing their players, they seem to be they seem to like the backdoor it a lot. And you know, these it, we we did mention it earlier. This is a business, but at the same time, it is also you know these are also humans. So yeah, I mean maybe there's some bad bad blood there with the front office and how they handle you know walking away from guys uh and i you know to an extent i gotta admit it too what they did to flurry was was pretty i mean that guy has been through it in all honesty like he kind of he kind of went out on some rough graces with with pittsburgh you know there was a little bit of a bad taste in the mouth there with leaving him open for the draft and sort of putting that confidence in matt murray I mean, it paid off for those two, uh, or well, I guess that was after, right? They won those championships, and then Vegas came yeah. into the league, and that was it. So there you go. I mean, it's tough. Flurry's had a tough career, especially on the tail end of it. Um, but you know what? Like best best of luck to him in Chicago. I think he's gonna. I already love his. He's had a positive outlook on everything uh, that has happened to him. And he continues to hold it with Chicago, I think. But yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll we'll see if this continues. But it's definitely uh, in the short term history. It's definitely a, a thing, a trend with Vegas, I think. Well, and and it's just something that you know Flurry's going to have, you know, just questioning possibly in the back of his mind for the rest of his career. You know, like. Why did the front office not reach out to me and at least tell me I was traded? You know, it it, it was a great. It, the issue wasn't that he was dealt. I mean, it, like we said, it's a business. You know, and, and his contract, Vegas saw his contract was possibly too much, and they wanted to make additions. So, you know, they they wanted to add Badenoff and they wanted to re-sign Martinez. So you knew that, you know, through a business perspective, you need to make room for them. And trading away Flurry was was that. It's just how they dealt trading him away is the issue. And I think Robin Leonard came out. I don't know if it was a tweet. I think it was. And he basically yeah. stated that, you know, Flurry has the most humble, nicest guy he's possibly ever met in his life. 
Um, you know, he's a guy who's never down. He's always a positive player. Um, and just he seemed to have handled it well, uh, you know, the trade and everything with what was going on. And uh, and to, to the point about trade, being traded to Chicago, the report was is that he didn't want to play with Chicago and he was going to retire. And now, you know, he, we obviously know he, he came out and said he'll play for them. My question to that is, do you think that that was the frustration of possibly not hearing from the front office of Vegas that you were being traded to Chicago? And now you hear from Footer, you're, you've been traded to Chicago. Marc-Andre Footer's been traded to Chicago. Do you think that was just frustration that built up in him about that situation? And then, you know, to kind of cope with that, he said, I'm not going to play with Chicago. I'm going to retire. Because he's come out and said he'll play for them. So I feel like that was just sort of a short-term frustration he had with how he was dealt to Chicago. But he since, you know, you know, looked back at it and said, you know what, I'll, I'll, I'll play for Chicago. Um, yeah, I didn't know. I thought, I thought the statements about not playing for Chicago were made prior to the trade. So I thought that they were just like a general, like if he had a no-movement clause, Chicago would be on that list kind of thing. But if he said them, like you just explained, where it was after the fact, and indefinitely, invariably, that's all said in, in the heat of the moment for him. Yeah. With, with, you know, with full respect, he completely deserves to be able to make those statements too. Like, I'm not slighting at all for speaking like that in the heat of the moment. But to Leonard's point, he's a very grounded person and clearly, you know, he's quote unquote come around on his senses. I think he's just sort of cooled down and recognized the fact that, hey, I'm the I'm you know I'm a Vesna I'm a Vesna guy. I won the Vesna, and you know Vegas is walking away from me. Well, you know what? Chicago's rebuilding, and they still got Kane and Taves. So, and he even made the statement that was the first thing I think he took to was like Kane has been giving him. Um, you know, shootout scaries for his entire career, and now he only has to deal with it in practice. So who knows? <laughs> it could, it, it could, he could transform again, man. He could do it again. I yeah. think. Yeah, he's kind of like aging like fine wine. It seems like the older he gets, the better he is. Definitely uh, like that. And and you know, Chicago needed goaltending, and they went out and got Flurry. And you know, to your point, he he's definitely played better and played really well as of recently and it can add a definite cushion to their goaltending that they the issues that they had uh Lankinen was good um but just wasn't good enough to to be a starter and now they added flurry and Lankinen can back him up so you know great addition by by chicago and as far as vegas you know i don't think you ever want a player even if you traded, uh, you know, Ryan Reeves or Braden McNabb. If you traded those guys, you certainly want to be the first to tell them. Uh, you, you never want to, you know, with, with social media nowadays, it's very accessible, especially to players. Um, you, you never want a player to, to realize that they had been traded via social media. Um, yes. Yeah. But, uh, but we'll move on to Washington. Just them and Winnipeg to go over. Um, they re-signed Alex Ovechkin to a five-year deal worth uh, nine and a half. And everyone, of course, you know, overpayment, overpayment. And I'm just like, man, <laughs> if I was the GM of, of uh, 
of Washington, I'd be like, yo, Ovechkin, what do you want? And he's like, you know, I want nine and a half. I'd be like, I'll give you a 10. Here's 10, I'll yeah. I'll give you 10. Here you go. You take 10, man. You take an extra 500,000. You take it. Uh, I, I couldn't believe people overreacted to that. I think the defense is obviously you get your analytical guys who are like, he can't play defense and his his numbers are regressing and this is going to be a really ugly contract. But it's like, man, if there's this is any, Yeah, if there's anybody to give that contract to, it's Alexander Ovechkin. Yep. Uh, <laughs> nah, I mean, his he's still, he's still there. He's still there with some of Wayne Gretzky's records. And there's certainly something to be said about that. And... Uh, I'm sorry. I just don't see it. I don't see him trending in the wrong direction. Um, he's really embraced something over in Washington. I think he has gotten a lot of uh, his issues uh, figured out uh, as far as it pertains to the game of hockey. And I, you know what? I've given up trying to to put him into a defensive role. You know, I think I've just given up on that finally. And and I think once you do that, he's getting paid what he needs to get paid, you know, to your point. Yeah. Um, so I'm looking at Wayne Gretzky right here. Uh, his goal total is 894. Uh, and then let me just quickly look up Ovechkin, see his stats, because uh, it's a five-year deal. And lately he's, he has been regressing. There's no doubt about it. But... You know, there's only a certain amount of goals he needs to average in order to beat or even reach that record of 894 goals, which would be impressive in the slightest um, to, to even come close to that, given the fact that goaltending has significantly been more uh, sophisticated. Um, you know, when Wayne Gretzky's times, uh, you can watch highlights. Goalies are literally... <laughs> Goalies are literally, their skates are almost touching, and it's why they fall all the time is because their edges get caught, and then they fall. It, it was amazing that that's how goaltending used to be played. Uh, but like I said, it, it's gotten more sophisticated now as the years have gone on. And if Ovechkin were to beat that record, that would just be huge. His goal total is yeah. 730. Yeah, so he's, what, it's 730? So let, me, let me try and average it. So 894 minus 730 is 164. He's got a five-year deal, so I'm going to divide that by five. 32.8. So if he can average 38 goals, or not 38, 33 goals in this season, he could beat that record. And that's not not out of the realm of possibility, man. And even if he had, if he starts out strong, you know, gets in like a nice 40 or 50 goal season under his belt, boom. Now he just needs yeah. to, like 25. He just got to cruise for 25, and he could easily do that. Just playing on the power play, just playing in his office. Yep. Um, let me just. I want to keep talking about this, but I'll I'll just talk a little bit about their their other signings they made. Uh, they've added Matt Irwin to their defensive core. Uh, they re-signed Ilya Samsonov. Um, as we know, Seattle. Picked Vitek Vanacek in the draft, but then dealt them back to um, Washington. I think it was a third rounder or a second rounder. I forget which, um, but they just gave up a draft pick to acquire him back. Um, again, outside of that, no real big signings um, besides Ovechkin and, and Samsonov. Um, 
but I'll, I'll quickly go back to Ovechkin. And the reaction to that, you know, contract by people was just, it, it's not like, so everyone obviously is very uh, focused on the value of players whenever they sign a contract, because that's always the first thing that breaks. It's this long, and this is how much money they make. And no matter who the player is, there's always going to be a reaction to, uh, All right. to the to the price tag attached. But if you can just take your eyes off of the price tag of Ovechkin for a second and look at the five-year deal, you sh- that should really excite you because he's 35 years old right now. That contract would be um, obviously around until he's 40. That should give you a hint that this guy's ready to 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 make a push for that record. I would imagine. Um, I agree. You wouldn't sign a 35-year-old to a five-year deal, you know, at nine and a half million dollars at 40 years old. I mean, look at what Joe Thornton, look at what uh, Zdeno Char are making at their age. Um, Brandon Zdeno Char, I think, is 44 years old, but still, you know, he's not getting that much money. The fact that Ovechkin got that much money in that length tells me this guy is is definitely going to probably make a push for that record, and could. Uh, so that that's what excites me more because everyone was up in the air about Ovechkin. Can he stay in this league? He's getting older. It seems like you know his age is getting to him. Uh, he's not he's not what he used to be. Uh, is is it likely that he won't reach the uh, the goal record? But I'm really happy that he signed a five year deal because I think that it's definitely a, a indication that he can possibly beat that record. Yeah, I'm with you on that, dude. I have high hopes for him. I do too. Again, we just did the math, and and technically that math we did was to tie the record. Um, obviously, if he were to have you know a 33, 33, 33, 50 goal season, um, and then you know the the last two years were 33, he he would beat that record. Um, so the math we did was only to tie Wayne Gretzky's record; it wasn't to beat it. But um, 33 goals is definitely not out of bounds. Andrew Ovechkin's realm, um, which is the conclusion of the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, the Winnipeg Jets. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, we're yeah. on. Yeah, we're on Winnipeg now. Um, Winnipeg, uh, you know, I, I like their off season. They've kind of been a, had a quiet off season. Um, they re-signed Paul Stastny, uh, Logan Stanley, Neil Ponick, Andrew Kopp. They re-signed those guys. That was good. Uh, they added Riley Nash, who's, who's probably going to be a, a good addition to their bottom six. Uh, they're, they're rounding out their team, and, and it's looking really good. I do like Winnipeg. Um, I love watching them play. Again, I watched a lot of them, a lot of their games this season. Just like uh, Toronto, they're a very fun team to watch, especially uh, Nikolai Ehlers. I know I mentioned how high I am on, on him, but he is just a – Fun guy to watch. Um, I like what they've done. You know, they didn't really do much, but I don't think they really needed to do much. It's not a team that overcompensated after getting swept uh, in the playoffs by Montreal. Sometimes when you see teams that get swept or bounced out earlier uh, than expected, they tend to, you know, overcompensate. I don't think that's what Winnipeg did. They, they kept their team and you know, added a couple of guys. Yeah, that's a good take, dude. That's actually, that is very common. It can be. Yep. It, 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 it's what can hurt teams. Um, but Winnipeg is, is not falling in that uh, 
that category. The only thing is, is they don't have any cap space. So there's there's uh, that issue. Um, but, you know, they got a couple of expiring contracts next season. Um, Pierre-Luc Dubois is on his last year uh, of the deal, I believe, by uh, Columbus. He's an RFA after that. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how they handle um, him. Uh, like I said, they, they Paul Stastny and Andrew Coppery signed, but it's only for a year. Uh, you know, and, and uh, I do like what they're doing. Uh, they added Eric Comrie as a backup to Hallibuck. I think the one area that they would like to improve is definitely a backup for Hallibuck. Uh, previously, it was Bersois, and he didn't see a lot of time. And uh, Eric Comrie has been a, a journeyman, uh, like we've previously mentioned, who, you know, I don't really think it's proven too much, but you know, we'll we'll see what they do. Yeah, definitely giving Hellebuck some support. I think that really showed. Um, I don't think in that four-game series they ever went to the backup, did they? Nope. Yeah, so, I mean, that definitely right there is indicative of you got to get somebody else who you, who you can trust to go to um, down 2-0, down 3-0, whatever that point in the series is that you want to make that break point. You need to you need to have a guy that you can go to. It's it's just part of the game. It's part of the playoffs. Otherwise, what happens is is what happened to them, and you get swept out of the playoffs by a team that really had no right to be where they were <laughs> at that point. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then quickly, I'll just mention that Eric Comrie is not a journeyman. He's actually been with the Jets organization, so it looks like he's been. Uh, just developing for the last couple of years. For some reason, I thought Eric Comrie was a um, recognizable name for some reason. But looking at Connor Hallibuck this past postseason, he uh, obviously played eight games. They swept uh, Edmonton, and then they got swept. Uh, his goals against average was 2.23, and his save percentage was 9.31. And if I'm not mistaken, uh, his postseason uh save percentage was some of the top uh save percentages in the uh it was it was up there yeah <laughs> like it's it's always funny to see those stats that stick around um uh for example like a goalie whose save percentage after being you know bounced out in the first or second round by the time the Stanley Cup comes around they're still the top save percentage it's always funny to see that I like it when, like, a team, usually it's, like, Pittsburgh will blow somebody out. And then, like, just from that game, one or two guys will have, like, maybe, like, four like th- four points with, like, two goals, two like, two assists kind of thing. And then they also get, like, one more like that. And so then for, like, the next yep. two rounds, you have, like, a couple guys from a team that are, like, point leaders, but only really had a couple games that they went like way off on and aren't even in anymore yeah um so looking at their save percentages i have them obviously vasilevsky was number one with a 937 this playoffs uh surprisingly jack campbell was number two with a 934 in seven games so again like i said you even see guys in the first round who still are top of their uh save percentage uh, spencer yeah. Knight as well but obviously spencer Knight only played two games so he was a 933 that beat out Hellebuck for third place. Hellebuck had a 931 with eight games played. But it was still impressive to see him in the top save percentages of, of the whole playoffs, um, even after being swept in the second round. It, yeah. it just goes to show you how talented Connor Hellebuck is. Um, yeah. 
and uh leonard i guess on twitter was sort of having a fun little q a with his uh fans on twitter and and just people on twitter and someone asked him his top five goaltenders uh and he didn't mention haliba and uh you know i saw on instagram a post that that showed his tweet and the response he had for it and then in the comments section um everyone was like where's halibut what about halibut did Hal- does halibut not exist so he see that reaction. i saw something similar i think someone asked him who's the best goalie you who's the best goalie ever or something like that or who's the who's the goalie that just strikes fear into the like your spine when you when you see them up on the the schedule uh-huh. And I think his response was like David Ayers. It was hilarious. <laughs> There's, nobody gives uh, Robin Letter enough credit, I feel, for being just a really down to earth. Exactly. That was I was just going to say a down to earth guy. I mean, that's a guy you can, you know, he, he's a professional athlete, but he'd fit in with you know anybody. He'd fit in with just your regular average Joe. Yeah. Just a very right. down to earth guy, and I'm sure that. Flurry had rubbed off on him as well because, you know, everyone knows the struggles he's had with his mental health and how adamant he is about, you know, making sure that you, you take care of your mental health. I'm sure that Flurry had been a, a great, uh, not mentor, but sort of just a great foundation, for that. foundation, exactly, and helped him be down to earth. Um, but with that being said, we have finished the whole NHL teams, all 32 of them, and how they've done in the offseason. Um, who do you think uh, did well in the offseason? I'd be curious to find out. Uh, personally, I think that um, Florida is definitely up there. Um, you know, we had our criticisms of them, but overall, I think they've made a lot of good additions uh, and they keep continuing to do so. Um, but with that being said, go ahead. I got, I got to say, I just like Florida, and, I, and I'm probably going to say this, and I probably am going to get some flack for it. But I do, to an extent, like what Philly did this offseason. Yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing what they, what they do with what they've done. Yes. Um, you know, when we were talking about Philadelphia, I think we did talk a lot about their criticism. But I didn't mention the Shane Gosta spare trade. And I know they didn't get a return for him yet. Um, but obviously, it was future considerations, whatever that might be. Uh, I, I did like the subtraction of Shane Gostisbehere, and I also liked the trade for the Coyotes as well to pick him up and, and try and test him out, even though mm. he's kind of been washed up. A lot of people write him off, but I, I do like Shane Gostisbehere. And part of that, too, is I'll give you a really quick fun fact. Um, obviously, in 2014, the uh, NCAA has the Frozen Four, and then obviously the, the championship, uh, and the Union Dutchman of Schenectady, sort of, um, that's where they we, play. Like, we both played in their arena. Yeah. I mean, when we were growing up playing uh, uh, hockey in the uh, Bethlehem and the Troy Albany um, Hockey Association, we, we played in that stadium often, especially me, because I was playing in the Troy area, and Troy is relatively close to uh, Schenectady. Um, and also there was obviously a Schenectady team that we played where, you know, their rink was being used for free ice skate or whatever, then Schenectady would play at the uh, Union uh, College. Mm-hmm. So he comes from that team, and it's why I've been really uh, big on Shane Gossespierre since coming into the league. Uh, because I he won the championship on that team. Yeah. 
Uh, not a lot of people know that. It's not talked about. Um, I'm surprised Pierre's never mentioned it. Uh, just to say, I'm going to wait for Pierre next to bring that up. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we won't see it, I don't think, because NBC is, is no it's longer a thing. So nope. he's now the vice president of uh, player development for I believe. <laughs> he never mentioned it. That, that would have been the only shout out I would have loved to hear from Pierre. <laughs> and we just never heard it. Chop the ball. But, uh, but anyway, that, that is a wrap-up of this um, episode. We do have a bonus episode this week as well that we'll be recording uh, after we finish this off. Um, so thank you to everyone who's listened. Uh, keep tuning in. And uh, as always, peace out. <laughs>